Hi there listeners. Welcome to episode 54 of Never in the Backfoot podcast. This is me Neha Shetty and I'm so glad to have you all listening in. This episode is a review of the ODI and T20 series featuring England women and Indian women in what were some very enthralling encounters. There were indeed a lot of takeaways while we can also reflect on what went right and build on that in the upcoming series. We will be discussing brief highlights of each of the six matches that happened as a part of the ODI and T20 series. India's openers, Jemima Rodriguez's worrying form, middle order troubles, Harman Preet Kaur's breezy form, over-reliance on Mithali Raj, the accumulation of dot balls, lack of acceleration in the middle overs and the question on intent. Additionally, we will be focusing on the larger scheme and pending World Cup concerns, what worked for England, the Danny White show, the need for a genuine all-rounder, Snee Rana and the spinners, Richa Ghosh and her fearless approach with her keeping skills too, pace department problems, inconsistencies with the selections, our wicketkeeper conundrum, the players who did not feature in any of the games and major takeaways in what is a very insightful and packed episode. Let's kick start the discussion with brief highlights of what happened in each of the matches. We unfortunately lost the ODI series 2-1 to England, but the brief highlights would entail in the first ODI, Mithali Raj's half century wasn't enough as England rode on Tammy Beaumont and Nat Sivers' aggressive unbeaten 50s to defeat India by 8 wickets. In the second ODI, with England stumbling to 92 for four in the pursuit of what had appeared to be a very comfortable chase of 222 in Taunton to win the second ODI and take a 6-2 lead in the multi-format series, Dunkley's 73 not out hauled England out of trouble, and her unbroken stand of 92 with Catherine Brunt for the sixth wicket saw them to victory. In the third ODI, India's bowling attack did well to contain England to 219 in the designated 47 overs, requiring 220 to win. Shefali Verma and Smriti Mandana got off to a very good start, but hit a roadblock when India lost a bunch of wickets and had a controversial review episode with Harman's dismissal. Snee Rana and Jhulan Goswami stuck with Mithali Raj, who scored another half century and became the highest run getter in women's international cricket, who saw the side through to its first. win in the England tour so far to focus on the T20I series that went one all and eventually England winning 2-1 to provided for some entertainment in the first T20 international England won by 18 runs this is by the dl method as heavy rain again stopped action at northampton get another clinical outing for heather knight and her team they took an unassailable 8 to 4 point lead in this multi format series India had a slow but firm start to the chase. Moments before Mandana's tame dismissal, India was ahead of the DL par score. The skipper's fall yielded yet another blow and with rain continuing to pelt down, this one clearly headed the host's way for the moment. In the second T20 international, Indian women posted a fighting score of 148 for 4 after Heather Knight won the toss and decided to bowl first. Shefali Verma scored 48 runs whereas Harman Preet Kaur contributed with a crafty 31. England was well on track in the run chase as Tammy Beaumont and Heather Knight were actually going strong. However, the hosts lost wickets in a cluster as Indian women were able to bounce back in the match. Indian women further won the match by 8 runs and leveled the series 1-0. 
in the third T20 international an unbeaten 89 run knock from Danny White powered England to an 8 wicket win over India in the final T20 international now this win gave England a 10-6 win in the multi format series England got off to a rocky start they were chasing 154 and when India dismissed Tammy Beaumont the dangerous opener for just 11 runs and Deepti Sharma got this wicket LBW in the 4th over things did look in India's favor but a 112 run stand between Danny White and Nat Siver who eventually ended up scoring 42 of 36 powered the host to a very comfortable win Siver just fell short of her half century falling to Rana in the 17th over to talk about the indian openers undeniably we have the strongest openers but with shefali varma's approach which is bang bang it may not always yield to success which makes it a little tricky but curtailing her is also not the way to go shefali varma's success in the test match coupled with the success she's enjoyed through her t20i career means she is most you know a certainty at the top of the odi batting order and this is alongside a power hitter and southpaw smriti mandana they complement each other so well smriti mandana always ensures that india gets off the blocks quickly even as shefali varma you know sometimes struggles at the end although varma hit the visitors first boundary in the odis as we saw it was mandana's three boundaries off brant in the fifth over that actually got india's innings going in the first odi Even in the other two ODIs they looked in good touch but had they stayed a little more you know at the crease it would have been very productive for India it will be interesting to see how the duo progresses ahead and nurturing Shefali Verma will be very crucial Jemima Rodriguez worrying form and how we will have to back her Now with a total of 159 runs on test debut Shefali Verma has booked her place at the top of the order for India across all formats. Now what does this mean? Her success means that India's regular ODI opener Jemima Rodriguez will have to be displaced. Rodriguez's lean run off late meant she had to be left out of the playing 11 midway through the home series against South Africa with eventually Priya Punia taking her place. Now when we look back at her career we've seen the twin 50s in the ODI and T20 international series against West Indies in November 2019 but after that she has just managed three scores of 30 plus in 14 innings across formats however her busy style of play is something that India could well do with you know at the top of their order but poor outings in the recent ODI series where she could master just 12 runs in two dismal outings or replacing veteran poonam roth didn't augur well for the team and she was overlooked for the t20 internationals which was very unfortunate her getting back in form is very crucial for india and the support of the management is going to be crucial the outings in the 100 will also be instrumental and we'll have to see how that will turn out middle order troubles our middle order troubles are not unknown there have been pressing situations when we needed them to deliver the most but losing wickets in clumps or the inability to get the scoreboard ticking has been very concerning of late ramesh powar too has emphasized on this ideological change that is needed for the team to transform into a fearless unit in the limited over setup as he reflected on the back to back series defeats to england He expressed that there is an ardent need for a shift in mindset. He hinted at producing some fresh middle order batters who can be moulded as per the team ethos. At present, Poonam Rath, Harman Preet Kaur, Deepti Sharma, and Tanya Bhatia form the middle order, with the ODI skipper Mithali Raj occupying number four. 
Mithali Raj is in the form of her life. She's really batting well, but we need support from at least one more batter who can actually put pressure on the opponents, especially in the middle orders. This is especially after the power plays. We have to be fearless. We have to assess what suits our batters and exactly provide them. To get them out of this, you know, current slow batting in the middle overs, we have to convince them to take those risks and actually do that. And now that would require a lot of communication from the head coach to the players. Fearless is exactly how modern cricket will be played. Either we have to mould the current lot or draft in other middle order players from different domestic setup into this team to up the ante. It's as simple as that. It's time that we, you know, tried a few new combinations and if that didn't work out, going forward we might have to try something new, bring new players, mould them and just keep the momentum going. Harmanpreet Kaur's breezy form now, the vice-captain of the Indian ODI side has been hampered by indifferent returns, which seems more than just, you know, a poor patch of form. She has just 150 in her last 20 innings and no 100 since her epic, unbeaten 171 against the Aussies in the semi-final of the World Cup in 2017. Overall, since the start of 2018, Harman Preet has scored 527 runs at an average of 29.27 with her strike rate hovering at 69.61 and that remains the biggest worry. She has majorly struggled overseas in this period with her average dropping to 23.88 away from India since 2018. It is the lowest average that a batter has overseas among players with a minimum of 200 runs. Harman Preet Kaur, who has been struggling to find some form, was finally back among the runs in the last two T20 internationals. Ramesh Pawar said that it is very pleasing for everyone because her scoring runs matters to the team and the way she batted that flair and going forward that they would see a very different Harman Preet and we did. In the last two innings, she did look like the old Harman, but now she's going to be playing the 100 and getting game time is going to be very important. Because when we went to England, game time was something that we actually lacked. Playing domestic cricket and not having too many practice games can prove to be counterproductive, but going ahead, it's going to be much better. Over-reliance on Mithali Raj. Now, this has been the case for women's cricket for so long and you can't deny it. When you lose the top three early, the veteran has to make her way out much earlier and salvage the situation. She was among the top run-getters for India in the ODI series as she notched up 206 runs at a prolific strike rate of 72 and no other Indian batter was even in close range. Mithali Raj surpassed former England captain Charlotte Edwards to become the leading run scorer in women's international cricket and her 58-50s are the most by a woman in ODIs. In the first ODI, after the early dismissals, both Poonam and Mithali played very cautiously and were a part of the reason why India's innings had 30 overs worth of dot balls. Now, this is another area where the Indian captain admitted that, you know, it has to be addressed. When the partnership was just starting to flourish, Poonam departed by handing a simple catch to Sophie Eccleston off Kate Cross. Harman Preet Kaur's poor form continued because she didn't trouble the scorers much, which puts a lot of pressure on the inexperienced middle order who just can't come to the fore and deliver in challenging conditions like England. Now that's when you need your seniors to actually step, step up and Mithali Raj did that, but lack of support has continued to be a problem. 
Carrying on from the previous point is the accumulation of dot balls, lack of acceleration in the middle overs and the question on intent. Now, when you have a look at stats, right, from the beginning of 2018, the top three from India has scored 3,153 runs in 31 ODI games at an average of 38.45. They've scored the third most runs in this term and you have an average of 50.85 runs per wicket. The openers alone have 2,171 runs at a strike rate of nearly 78 since 2018 at an average of 38.76. I know that's a lot of numbers. But in contrast, when you look at the middle order, they have been unable to keep up with this kind of consistency, with batters between 4 to 7 scoring just 2,176 runs at, an, at a dismal average of 28.25. Their strike rate also falls to a staggering 66.2 with no century plus partnership in the last three and a half years. You do realize this is a very big concern. The difference in the average of runs scored by the top order and the middle order is over 10 and the frequent collapses have tilted the odds against India in the recent past. Even for an experienced campaigner like Mithali Raj, it was a struggle. She found boundaries hard to come by, notching up her 50 in 95 balls with just a single 4 of shrub sole. Together with Deepthi, Mithali then added 65 runs for the 5th wicket before the former was dismissed. LBW to shrub sole. But soon after Deepthi's dismissal, Mithali changed gears and hit 3 boundaries in an over. She was slicing and lofting shrub sole to amass 15 runs of the 44th over. Just when Mithali Raj was looking dangerous, Eggleston got rid of her in the 46th over as India slumped to 180 for 6. This has long persisted for India, you know, this batting collapse or over-reliance on Mithali Raj and we will be looking to change that. Let's look at the larger scheme and the pending World Cup. Now, this defeat, especially in an ODI series, marks another setback for India in their World Cup preparations as they lost this ODI series against South Africa also rather very convincingly. This was another sign that the 2017 runners-up actually have a lot of work to do. In the ODIs, when India lost their first wicket, the anchors were dropped. It was a great bowling uh, performance by the hosts too, of course, but there is a difference from batting to score runs and batting to stay in the middle. When England lost their first wicket, they kept looking for gaps. There was this intent and that, you know, interest to keep doing it, whereas India completely shut shop. The batting collapses of the past play a role here too. As Mithali Raj is aware that, you know, there is a lack of depth in the batting and there is reliance on her. But given that was evident, even in the South Africa series, India has done nothing to address this and instead went with a batting lineup where there is hardly any depth below Deepthi Sharma. If they are so willing to, there is so much to learn from the Indian batting lineup from, you know, this England batting display. This Indian batting unit, without the wholesale personal change, is actually more capable of finding another couple of gears. But they need to change their blueprint and have to do it soon. Let's talk about what works for England. Now, the form of their openers is absolutely something that sets them apart. In the ODIs, they have Lauren Winfield Hill and Tammy Beaumont who give them very good starts. And in the T20 setups, we have the latter partnering with Danny Wyatt and they have been forced to manufacture shots on a slow surface at the top of the order but they did so well and actually end up finding boundaries and some fluency. Tammy Beaumont blunted India's three 
pronged spin attack with nimble footwork down the track, powerful drives to the offset and copious use of the sweep shot throughout the series. She's been fluent. And additionally, Nat Sivers' form, Kate Cross's dominance, Sophie Eccleston's consistency, Sophia Dunkley's, you know, cameos, and Catherine Brunt's attacking spells, among a host of factors, have really worked well for them, and credits to them, actually, you know, for a very good performance, thereby displaying what a fine unit they are and how much we can learn from them. The Danny White Show now, when England set out to chase 153 against India, all questions had to wait. There was no time to think about external factors because Danny White had an immediate task at hand. With a series win in the hindsight, she had to provide the side with a confident start to make sure they banished the blues of the collapse that had happened two days back in Hove on the face of another similar chase. There was no stopping White from that instance. She took on Radha Yadav and smashed her through long off and raced her way through, you know, to another brilliant 50 of just 33 balls when she cut Shikha Pandey through point. She dabbed the next delivery through third man for another four. A loss seemed inevitable for India as the bowlers bled boundaries. When the next series comes around, White might, you know, go on to score big, fast runs or might have another prolonged struggle. But when she comes off, it's a sight to behold. And her teammates will certainly agree. Feast or famine, White is the way to go. A genuine all-rounder needed. England had Nat Siver in sizzling form throughout the series. Be it the ODIs where she was the top-run getter for England or in T20 internationals, she delivered when it mattered the most. In the T20I leg of this multi-format series, by her very presence and her commanding stroke play, she has managed to impress all of us. In the first T20I especially, her 27-ball 55 was so good. And there were times where, you know, it looked like she was batting on a completely different surface to everyone, hitting 8-4s and a 6. And her rapid knock helped England pose that commanding total of 177 for 7 in their 20 overs. She also capped off her evening by removing the dangerous Mriti Mandana, who was beginning to locate the boundary in an attempt to push India towards the DRS target. But that wicket allowed England to tighten their screw on the visitors, restricting them to 54 for 3 in 8.4 overs, and this was just 18 runs short of the DLS target, before the threatened rain fell. Throughout, you know, the ODI and T20 series, we have seen her performances and that, you know, turning point performances which has actually helped England so much. Her all-round efforts meant she was crowned the player of the match and performances like these have ensured that she's at the top in the ICC T20I all-rounder rankings. In contrast, when we look at India, we have Snehrana who's recently emerged and Deepti Sharma who has been, you know, delivering clinical performances through and through. The latter in particular is one of the favourite topics of conversation in Indian cricket in recent times. Her bullet throws, the elegance with the bat when she settled, settles down is really impressive. Her patience and love for the long haul is also well documented. Her impeccable lines and lengths with the ball saw her bowl three maiden overs and this is in a T20 international. But the recent conversations revolve around her batting positions and approach, especially in limited overs cricket. Should she bat at number 5 in ODIs? Is she the finisher that India wants? But she can't talk the ball that hard, can she? Can she even, you know, play T20 internationals or should we look at options like Richa Ghosh making it more frequently into the team? 
or do you bat her at six or push her up the order are some pressing questions and she will be looking to address them and silence all her critics let's now talk about snee rana and the spinners snee rana was definitely the gem that was discovered during the series making a comeback to international cricket after 5 years rana made a strong 144 run partnership with tania bhatia after india got a follow on and saved the match for india in the tests their efforts worked in favor of india as they were successful in drawing the match that very much looked in england's favor in the odis she picked up two wickets in two games conceding runs at an economy rate of 4.35 she played a crucial role in india's only win and followed it up with a spell that had her bowl seven overs giving away just 31 runs take picking a wicket and she also scored a 22 ball 24 in a tight run chase her half century stand for the sixth wicket with mithali raj took india home in a last ball finish Her bowling brilliance with a red ball was also commendable. Her addition is going to add a lot of balance to the batting especially with her power hitting abilities. Even in the limited overs game she was impressive. She looked so much in control of some of the match situations which was very pleasing to see. Now again it was unfortunate not to see Ekta Bisht get as many games but Poonam Yadav looked you know impressive in the game she played. Talking about spinners we can't forget even Deepthi Sharma right because in the second T20 international Deepthi Sharma finished another tidy spell of 1 for 18 her impact in the match with the ball was much more than what the wickets column shows with 18 required you know from the last two overs Brunt succumbed to the pressure and nicked one off Yadav to Ghosh Rana had 14 runs to defend in that final overs of the innings. She conceded just 5 runs, securing India an 8 wicket win. Rana finished wicketless, but she definitely played a crucial role in India's victory that day. Richa Ghosh and her fearless approach and this is with her keeping skills too. Another youngster who has been so impressive has to be Richa Ghosh. Beat her batting where she has produced some delightful cameos or the lightning quick action behind stumps, she has elevated her game to the next level. She produced a moment of brilliance to dismiss Nat Siver in the T20 series where she missed collecting a delivery from Pandey but ran back and completed a direct hit catch to Siver short of the crease. This is one among her many performances behind the stumps and she is very good. and i'm very excited to see her for the series coming ahead and she should get more opportunities going ahead let's now talk about our pace department problems historically india has always preferred to pick a side that is you know heavy with spinners that always leaves julian goswami and shikha pandey to share the load of the pace contingent in recent times we have had arundhati reddy pooja vastakar mansi joshi among so many options who have been used and disposed quite unfortunately as per our convenience now imagining a scenario minus julian goswami leading our attack in the future and this is post world cup scenes is very scary when we focus on the odi series we saw our bowlers did struggle a little but the harshest treatment was reserved for arundhati reddy After ramping the seamer over the keeper's head for a couple, Siver swatted her violently down the ground for four, causing the bowler to take evasive action. The next ball was smoked through extra cover before she smashed Reddy down the pitch yet again. Now those three consecutive boundaries proved to be the chain turning point for England as they brought up a 50-run partnership with Amy Jones of just 28 balls. 
Now Shikha Pandey looked so good, you know, with her varying pace and swing. But we need a good core unit for the World Cup and the future to watch out for. Let's talk about the inconsistencies with the selections. This constant changing and chopping of the side along with the move to drop youngsters without many opportunities resurfaces once again. A major reason for the inconsistent returns remains the constant shuffling of the batting order along with the chopping and changing that is seen from series to series. We have had a total of 14 players who have played between positions of 4 to 7 since 2018, but only 3 cricketers, namely Mithali Raj, Harman Kaur, and Deepthi Sharma have turned out in more than 20 games. No other cricketer had played more than 13 matches for India in the middle order during this period and it only signifies how much the side has constantly dropped players without giving them a long rope. Veda Krishnamurti is one of the most experienced players around. She last played an ODI game in 2018. Sushma Verma, who also had an indifferent outing in three innings in the last series against South Africa, was dropped from the current tour of England, with Mithali Raj stating that Tanya Bhatia should be given a go-ahead instead. The latter was unceremoniously dropped from the squad against Proteas, despite her stellar skills with gloves. Dialan Hemalata Pooja Vastakar, Mona Meshram and Jhulan Goswami are players who are not really known for their batting skills, but they too have turned out in the top 7 in the last few seasons, which further emphasizes the lack of a strong core group of players who have been identified to fill the middle order roles. Youngsters such as Yastika Bhatia, Shweta Verma, Ayushi Soni, Monika Patel, Nuzat Parveen, C. Pratyusha were all picked for the South Africa games. But they were ignored for the upcoming series against England without even having played a game except of course for C. Pratyusha and Monica Patel. Now what makes the decision even more shocking is the lack of chances that is, you know, given to them before they were just ignored and pushed to the sideline. Let's now talk about our wicketkeeper situation. The exclusion of Tania Bhatia from the South African squads was another decision that was widely criticised earlier this year. The wicketkeeper was poor with the bat. She has scored only 287 runs at an average of 14.69 across formats. She is one of the swiftest keepers in the world with 14 more dismissals than the second placed Alisa Healy. Ever since she first played for India in 2018, she has effected 52 stumpings in white ball cricket. Though her batting returns have been poor, she has constantly been pushed up and down the order. She has batted in spots 8-10 to 10 on several occasions and was even asked to open the innings during the T20 World Cup Finals last year. However, her keeping skills were ignored for her batting performances as she was replaced by Sushma Verma for the home games against South Africa earlier this year. Sushma Verma was playing her first game for India since 2018 and she was unable to get going as she just scored 15 runs in 3 innings and she did not get a chance to bat in the other 2 games. Sushma Verma was erratically dropped after that with Tanya Bhatia making her inroads back into the squad and now with Richa Ghosh and even the ignored Indrani Roy banging the door for selection on the back of some good performances, it is to be seen what combination India opts for in the coming series. One of my last and final segments would focus on the players who did not feature in any of the games. 
Now in this series, India went with a strong squad of 18 members for tests and ODIs and 17 members for T20 internationals. Though most of the players of the squad got an opportunity to play in either of the formats, there were three such players who missed out on getting some action in the middle. They were there but on the sidelines which was really unfortunate. To start off with, we have Priya Punya. Now she was one such player who did not get any opportunities to play. In this series, ever since Shefari Varma was, you know, part of the T20 ODI and test setup, Priya Punya's chances in the playing 11 looked very bleak right from the start. India could have probably tried her at number 3 in the ODIs, but the team management preferred Jemima Rodriguez over her to replace Poonam Roth, who was the original choice for number 3. Priya Punya might consider herself unlucky as Jemima Rodriguez has just played 21 ODIs who undoubtedly is more experienced than her. But her numbers apart from a relatively better strike rate 68.76 do not look promising compared to Priya Punya. Indrani Roy is another player on the list. On the back of her prolific domestic performances, this wicketkeeper batter from Jharkhand was selected for the Indian team across all formats for the England series, which was so nice to see. But the right-hand top-order batter was like the leading run-getter in the domestic 50-over competition with 4.56 runs in 8 matches. There were expectations that she might get a go at least in the T20 internationals, but unfortunately that didn't happen. A test or an ODI debut was a long shot as there was already Tanya Bhatia in the ranks who was preferred and is enjoying her purple patch behind the stumps. In the T20 internationals, India preferred Richa Ghosh who is a better batter than Bhatia and can use the long hand to get those useful runs down the order. Could India have tried Indrani Roy for a couple of games, especially in conditions like England where we will be playing more often than not? The fact that she is a top-order bat may have gone against her as India at present already has an established opening pair. Roy is yet to make her international debut, but we can only hope that she is a part of the squad that travels to Australia in September and not just dropped erratically. Simran Bahadur is the next player on the list who did not get a go at all in this series. The young, right-arm quick from Delhi was a part of India's T20I squad, but she did not get a chance in the England series at all. She has featured in the playing 11 during the South Africa series, where she bowled 9 overs, gave away 66 runs and even picked up a 1 wicket. Though it was not an extraordinary performance, it was important to note that in neither of the three matches she was given a chance to, you know, open the bowling or even bowl with the new ball. Shika Pandey missed out on the South Africa series and maybe that's why Simran was, you know, given that opportunity. With Shika Pandey coming back in, it was unlikely that the Delhi cricketer would be given a chance. But despite not getting the opportunity in the middle, there is no doubt that the 21-year-old would have learnt a lot. I mean, you're alongside legends like Pandey, Arundhati Reddy, Pooja Vastrakar and even veteran Julan Goswami. With the Australia series next on the cards for the Indian team, it will be interesting to see if Simran retains her place in the squad or not. My last segment will focus on major takeaways from the series. Harleen Diol's catch was scintillating, you know, in that first T20 international to dismiss Amy Jones at the boundary. Now, this was one such visual that was circulated so much on social media for the sheer tenacity and spontaneity to pull off that amazing catch and is one that you can keep seeing over and over again as it was just mind-blowing. In the same T20 international, we also saw an over that saw three superlative pieces of fielding. 
there were two catches as uh, mentioned by Harleen Diol and another by Harman Preet Kaur and another stumping of Richa Ghosh India sent back two set England batters and it was so exciting to see this was Nat Siver and you had Amy Jones and even the informed Sophia Dunkley who fell in that over the fielding and a lot more has been so has improved massively and one can be simply amazed with the amount of effort abhay sharma the fielding coach is putting in and we can't wait to see a lot of these girls back in the action at uh, the 100 which is another showpiece event and in the upcoming australia series another major pointer is we have to start putting a better scores on the board in especially the odi format because if you don't have scores of 250 or 260 plus consistently while batting first it will be difficult to defend that and this is something we have to work on of course our bowl, bowling and fielding can get more consistent we are probably one good performance away from becoming that solid unit and then becoming okay because you would have a solid core in all the departments and we can produce performances which can actually you know get more people interested the runners up in the last world cup india we definitely do have a lot of issues to look into and solve before this mega event in new zealand in 2022 our bowlers have been inconsistent while the overall scoring rate of the team has been criticized often but there is no denying that a performing middle order will help resolve a major chunk of our woes Thank you so much for tuning into this episode listeners with this we draw curtains on the episode that served as a review of the England women versus Indian women ODI and T20 series hoping you all liked this analysis episode your kind words and support really gives me the strength and zeal to keep working and delivering quality content to you all a heartfelt thank you do check out at the rate never on the back foot on instagram and at the rate never on the back on twitter for the latest facts trivia quizzes terminology retweets fresh tweets and a lot more that's coming up this cricket season just for you the podcast is also available on apple podcasts google podcasts spotify anchor overcast and a lot of other platforms so please do spread the word also feel free to share your thoughts and suggestions for the already published episodes and recommendations for future topics the two share this episode widely and your support is really appreciated see you next time listeners cheers stay safe and please take care bye for now